Good evening. Welcome to Fright Central, where we talk all things horror. I'm Keck here with Doc, and tonight we're going to be talking about Netflix's semi-newish Cabinets of Curiosity. It came out um late October of last year. Yes, it's uh, presented by uh, Guillermo del Toro. He kind of does like the uh, Hitchcock uh, thing from, you know, Hitch, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's series or like the Twilight Zone. He does the... Uh, I assume that anybody that would even be even remotely considering listening to a horror podcast knows who he is. So, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I guess with the younger, younger, younger generation, yeah. maybe. Yeah, um, newer... But, uh, yeah, newer fans might just be checking out a horror show, be like, "Oh, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like Black Mirror." I mean, which just got a new season uh, as well. Yeah, uh, I saw that. I, saw I haven't that. watched any episodes of that yet, but uh, uh, just talking about, uh, yeah. Um, if you don't know who Del Toro is, uh, I mean, I guess I can give you a rundown real quick of like the stuff he's done. Uh, most famously, probably uh, Hellboy, one and two, but uh, his best ones are probably uh devil's backbone and pan's labyrinth which are uh both uh spanish uh films but they're definitely worth checking out and they're amazing but, yeah uh, i mean and they're they've done very well with uh american audiences too yes um so yeah they're they're very well known um but before like getting into um the meat of uh you know the episodes of cabinets of curiosity uh i just wanted to give like um a quick initial impression and that is i had i really didn't have very high expectations for this but uh i gotta say i thought it was fucking excellent um yeah. i did not like obviously there were some um you know each one is about a 55 minute short um if you i mean 55 minutes yeah, I'm. It's not quite a full length movie, so I would consider them shorts. But I mean, they're very uh full. Like, I mean, they're uh they're very compact. There's a lot of character development that goes into them, and uh, you know, they're they're shorts, but they are very well developed stories. And I was just. I thought the quality of the writing in each and every episode was good. There was a high production value, I thought, for every episode. And um, this just um, exceeded all my expectations. I was very, very impressed by this. Um, and, you know, this was like just, I mean, it's just good classic horror at its roots. And I think even... Um, some of the episodes that i didn't like that much they i think that i would have probably liked them more given if it wasn't for the overall quality of just the entire series you know it was just very impressive it was very well done and uh so my initial impression i just wanted to share was that this was a fucking amazing uh series and i'm not sure if there's gonna be a season two of cabinet's curiosity i'm not sure if they're continuing on with this but i certainly hope they are yeah i haven't heard anything yet but uh yeah like you said um production value and the writing and everything has been uh really spectacular and like a lot of these like series even with like black mirror i know that's probably the most popular one but even with that it's very hit or miss 
with those. And I can't really like say like one season is better than another, but I can say like certain episodes are better than others when it comes to Black Mirror. But like this overall, I thought was just like fantastic. Even if like there was a couple, there's maybe one or two that I was what was like, okay, that was good, but it like compared to what else like you've like just showed me, like it almost yeah. they played them in like a different order. But yeah. like, at the same time, it was just like, yeah, it was like they're still good, you know, especially compared to other things. But compared to like the episodes in here, they were almost like the weaker ones, even though they were pretty. I thought they were still pretty solid overall. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will note, and we uh, discussed this in private a little bit last night. I was um, surprised by the reaction that I saw on IMDb. Um, Except for one episode, which was my favorite episode, actually, um, that we'll probably talk about uh, in a little bit greater length. Um, none of them uh, had over a seven, like in overall user reviews. And I was really surprised by this because, like I just said, you know, I thought that this was like very well done, very solid. And I was like surprised by the reaction. I thought that... Um, you know, especially because you were able to rate them by episode rather than like just the season as a whole. And I, I was surprised that like the initial user reaction wasn't a little bit better. Uh, that's the only other thing I was going to know. Yeah, you never know. Uh, it could have been a whole lot of uh, like not really, uh, you know, big horror fans that just kind of discovered it and like. And the, a lot of these episodes are very heavily Lovecraftian inspired. So like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's um, a niche in its own. <laughs> so it's almost like if you're not a Lovecraft fan and like this and you just want to watch like this horror story, like, yeah, I can I can see them not really enjoying yeah. it. Well, I mean, that leads us right into the first episode, which I thought was like the most like, um, I mean, it was pretty much like Lovecraft, like you know, just out on a plate, you know, it was the racist, uh, army veteran. I think he was yeah, played by uh, Tim Blake Nelson. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Based <laughs> yeah on that, a short that, story by uh, Guillermo del Toro. And it was, uh, directed by Guillermo Navarro, who was, um, he's done a lot of, uh, television episodes, but he was like, uh, del Toro's like cinematographer on a lot of stuff too. So like they've worked together and, and, and everything. So, but yeah, it, like you were yeah. saying, uh, is, he's basically like this uh, war vet. It takes place like early 90s because you see on like the TV, like Bush is like uh, in office. Yeah, he's uh, listening to like uh, like like a Fox News, like Tucker Carlson rant or something like yeah, that. It wasn't, it wasn't him, the yeah, equivalent like, to that, like, yeah. you know, an Alex Jones, Tucker Carlson hybrid conspiracy yeah. theory you know like immigrants are coming to destroy us all this country is going to hell blah 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 he's like chiming in and you know like talking you know with the uh <laughs> yeah, with, the yeah. fucking, uh, with the anchor or whatever and you know amen brother type shit and um yeah um it was very interesting because i wasn't exactly sure where this was going like the ending kind of got me by surprise um he basically yeah, it started out, it, oh sorry no it started out like well, um kind of like uh the ninth gate in, in, a, in a bit where he well not actually yeah, it well, started yeah. out that way 
it started out with him like he owed money so he's like one of those guys that goes to buy buys like a old um units yeah and like tries to like you know hopefully find some good stuff in there that he can sell and he's in debt and he's trying to pay off this uh this debt and he and he feels like he's been mistreated since he's gotten back from the war and like everybody's against him now and like so like that's kind of like turned him into what he is as well and uh and so it kind of just starts out with him like you know being a real dick to people but like you know like i i, I gotta get ahead i need to pay this debt back so i'm gonna buy the storage unit and then like his like guy that i guess he they've known each other because i guess he goes to buy old lots all the time like because he works there like he shows them like this real weird video of like the guy who used to come there like every day and do like some weird ritual before going in and, and like he's like yeah i don't really care like i just let me get my uh storage unit and open this shit up so like he's really like arrogant and like you know like he's just like i need my i need this money like i don't care about any of this other type of shit uh type deal so but yeah then like he ends up finding like this uh i don't know how to start like a, a witchcraft board with like three hidden books inside well it, before you say that it ju just a lot of the units that he was buying, like he's basically buying these like vacant units or units that got foreclosed. The owners couldn't pay their bill. Yeah. And so he would go in. But most of the time in the past, uh, these were people that just disappeared. They stopped paying their units when the foreclosure, everything yeah. got auctioned off. In this instance, as soon as he goes there, there's like this spanish woman i think uh it was i think she was like a hispanic woman yeah, and she was Mexican basically immigrant. saying yeah. like look i just want to pick out a few sentimental items like i'd like it if you didn't fuck with my shit but like i know you're going to could you please just let me grab a few things that aren't worth very much and he tells her to go fuck herself you know yeah. he's a racist asshole like his like her suffering kind of like almost like uh made him happy <laughs> in yeah. a sense and so anyway but i just wanted to put in the context that like this unit wasn't like somebody just disappeared there was like a woman there while he was going through everything begging him not sure that was a different him. unit that was not the same unit he had I, another unit of of hers that she wanted to get into because it was the old guy that was like you saw in the beginning that was like uh butchering and then he has the heart attack it was his unit oh really and so what was but she it was another I, unit they had bought that he had bought in the same place that that she had like not paid on and he wanted to get in there and he was like no you can't get it like it's mine you, you're not you're not getting in there it wasn't her and i misunderstood the premise i i thought it was her stuff that he was going through and yeah. her stuff that he was pawning off i don't even know why that she was like upset about it then i don't like i don't know like what her because like, it, apparently it was like mistakenly sold to him but like he's like yeah like because it was like her lot and he like uh wanted just wanted some family belongings from it and she was like yeah he was like yeah i don't give a shit it's mine now i need to fucking find something valuable out of here but it wasn't uh it wasn't the same unit it was the different unit because like the the unit that but then why bought, did she even care about it if it wasn't her stuff you mean at the end no like i'm talking about like why it was a did different unit even care it was a different unit 
but she had she had a unit at that same storage unit that yeah. he had bought as well mm -hmm. and that was her unit but not the one where he finds the books that was a different unit okay well you'll have to watch it yourself i'm totally confused i thought i understood i have no idea but anyway he's basically he, he he's scrounging people shit he was there like the when it when it showed him buying that one lot that was the guy who was doing the ritual and the butcher who was like chopping meat that that was a different lot and then like as he was going to like open that lot the lady came in to talk to the owner of the thing and was like hey like um where's my lot at like you you sold that by mistake before and he was like oh well that guy's over there like he just bought this other lot it was a completely different lot she was there to collect items from a different storage unit he had just so she was doing the same thing that he was doing like that was her thing or no she had a storage unit there and she i guess foreclosed or whatever wasn't keeping up with her payments and her her, her storage unit was sold to him yeah well whatever um there was racial tension between the two of them yes. and yeah. uh he finds this like crazy book and then he finds all, like a, a room German seance table and three volumes yeah. on demon summoning. Yeah. So and he goes to a broker uh, to try to like, you know, um, sell it. And they're like, oh, there's a fourth volume in this. And then like that. And they were like, oh, okay, well, I'm going down there to search for it now. And brings that dude with them. And that's when they find that, uh, that extra space. And the room that they find, it's in the storage space, right? Like yes. the yeah, they, room where this like where the seances were happening yeah they like it said like in the uh in the they said they uh that was that he noticed that the storage units were a little bit smaller and it was and it was because like previously it had been larger ones that they'd made smaller so that that's why he was able to have that hitting room there and then they like went into like the basement or whatever and there was like a secret chamber where the fourth one and like a dormant demon were uh there that were like but it was like sealed and it was the old man's like long missing sister that he like uh like she went missing and like he allowed like the demon or whatever to take over her body and he was bringing meat to the demon to like feed the demon and keep it alive but instead of like you know listening to the uh the other guy that was there with him to uh not break the seal he just was like i need that money and he just went broke the seal and got the book and it unleashed the demon and it consumes that other dude like almost right away he's just kind of standing there in shock and he tries to escape and then when he's the when tim blake nelson's character is trying to like get out he like the door is locked and he sees the uh the mexican woman who he like refused to, uh to give her, her stuff out and she just uh locks the outside of it and just watches him get eaten by the monster um that's cool i thought the creature looked uh really really cool yeah um, you know it, it was just like if you um you know if you if you saw just the creature itself like uh you would immediately think lovecraft it was like the very like iconic thing like the artwork that you see like um from people that like drew things from the Necronomicon and um, artists that like um, drew like Lovecraft inspired work. It's just like the typical, like it was kind of like uh, there was like legs and there were lots of tentacles and stuff like that. And I mean, it just looked rad. It, yeah, it, it yeah, was really it was awesome. cool. And I did not see that happening. 
I yeah. mean, I knew that there was going to be something dark and terrible in that unit, but like, I had no idea that it was going to come to that. And uh, yeah, and he met like a very grisly end. And um, yeah, and that leads right into the second one because the second one was um, sort of like based on that too, because the guy was a grave robber. Yeah, and, and he was real greedy as well, and just wanted his yeah, money. And originally, it like right into it. I remember you telling me you were thrown off by the second episode because you thought it was one <clears> long <throat> series with all connected stories and not an anthology. I, well, I thought that the series were. I thought I knew that they were different stories, but I thought that they were all supposed to be related in some way, where there was going to be like tidbits of the past in it. Like I didn't realize that every story was completely individualized. That's what I didn't know. I thought you were going to um, see some characters that you had seen in other episodes and yeah. stuff like that. I thought there was going to be some reoccurrence, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> it all it all had like a common theme, I guess, going into the second one where the yeah. guy is another, basically another grave robber. Yeah. Well, this one's called the Graveyard Rats, and it was uh, written by Henry Kuttner, who is just a sci-fi uh, fantasy horror writer. And uh, it was directed by Vincenzo Natelli. Uh, he is a, a director and screenwriter who did such horror films as Cube, uh, Cypher, Nothing, and Splice. So, uh, yeah, this one takes place, like, what, like, early 1900s, like, in Salem, Massachusetts. And um, no, what, first... was it, was it, um, it was the early 1900s? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Uh, they said, like, an exact date, but you could just tell by the way they were, like, dressed and everything. Yeah, the, the one guy was dressed weird. It was in the very beginning, um, the guy he's talking about, because this guy um, is, like, a grave robber, as we've established and um in he's the also the grave take he's also the cemetery uh yeah. take, uh grave uh caretaker because he yeah and but he's a great he's a grave robber it's all scam yeah anyway but he goes in the very beginning and he is in deep financial problems yeah. and basically he owes money to some very bad people that say like they're going to kill him if he is not able to come up with the money in a week or torture yeah. him or do something really terrible but um the guy he talks to in the very beginning he seemed like he's like some dude that like i could meet in brooklyn like today yeah. like he <laughs> did not seem like he was from the early 1900s like he seemed like he could be you know some dude that i could just like randomly meet on the street today like he was i don't know what he was doing he was in like a mechanic shop or some shit or a butcher i don't know some, oh some no they were in the uh morgue and he because he was trying to get the teeth and all the uh all the gold the, the gold teeth from the the fresh oh he was like cutting cutting because things like, out of people yeah because every time like he that. would go every time he would go get the uh from the graves he noticed that like the bodies were missing it was because the rats were taking them so he was trying to get yeah. them before they were buried and like he had like a deal with like the uh the guy uh the mortuary guy but he was like no you have to wait like we get the family's got to come see him they got to do the autopsy still and shit so he was trying to get him like right before they got buried because like yeah uh shortly soon enough like as he goes to get the the body with all these uh jewels and everything the rats come and like pull the body underground so he goes chasing after him 
And yeah, well, the, they, the issue is the guy that the people that he owed money to, like the handler. Oh, that guy. That yeah. Okay. I thought with, you meant like, the other guy. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, but that guy, um, he was trying to explain the predicament with the rats. Yeah. Um, and like he was trying to, you know, say like, you know, the, I'm having trouble paying you guys back. Yeah. my debt because these rats are doing it and the guy totally doesn't believe it. yeah um you know he's like yeah like rats don't do that yeah um in a very like present day new york accent and <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i know what you mean like yeah. obviously it was the guy talked in like you know early like 19th century like you know so yeah i, I know it was supposed to be like roughly around 100 to 150 years ago something like that um but that guy he just really drew me off um and he was basically saying like rats don't do this type of shit yeah like you know you're out of your mind you're just dicking us around and then things just really get crazy the guy starts like you know going after like the graves and He's in like a labyrinth under the ground. Yeah, he starts like, They're like organized. And I think at like one point, like there's even like a zombie body that like comes after him and tries yeah, well, to collect him. He's like, like going down there and then like he, I guess he awakens like the <clears throat> rat, which uh, uh, an ROUS, as they say, from Princess Bride, a uh, rat of a, a rodent of an unusual size. Uh, I, I don't really believe they exist. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, the queen rat starts uh, coming after him and he manages to escape, but uh, he ends up just falling in this pit of a bunch of uh, skeletons. And uh, but then he notices that like all the jewels are still there. And as he's like picking up the jewels, he spots like one like a necklace item that's on this like corpse. And uh, he also realizes that he's uh, deep underground and in, in, uh, in, uh, what's uh, a black church is what it's called it's a uh, it's like a uh what uh, was rumored to have been like a uh satanic like church uh back in like you know the sale of witch times and stuff that like people would worship stuff and uh and that's where the rats were basically taking the uh the jewels to was the black church and uh that's where the shiny object and when he takes that one off the corpse it awakens the corpse and so like the corpse is now chasing him and then he's being chased by the uh the rats as well and then he's... yeah it's just like a lot of chaos um yeah, yeah i mean for me i just eh, i like the first i actually like the first episode more i don't know i just i, did, I, I really like this episode because it really i thought it really like the claustrophobic in it like when he's like in the in, digging through the tunnels and stuff i thought the claustrophobia was really good uh the rats when he like pulls the uh the he sees the tail in the ceiling in his uh in his hotel room and he pulls on it and then all the rats come down on him and, when, and like they're all like eating him and shit i thought that was fucking uh pretty fucking dope and i thought the uh the corpse is like crawling after him yelling mine 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 and the giant rat i don't know i thought it was just a fun episode i really liked it uh but uh yeah i do think the first one was better but again it was like it's it's hard to compare like they were both they were they were both very good they were both very well done i mean i i think part of it for me at least might be um like i said i had low expectations in the beginning but then the uh next episode is what really like um 
just blew things up for me where I was like, oh, wow, like this is something really special, which features F. Murray Abraham. Yes. Uh, this one was a uh, was written by uh, Michael Shea, who's uh, another fantasy uh, sci-fi writer. And it was uh, directed by uh, David Pryor, who did uh, The Empty Man. And uh, I've never heard of this series called VOIR, V-O-I-R never heard of that but i've never i haven't seen the empty man either but apparently it's a cult horror film the teleplay was done by david s gore who's worked on a, a bunch of stuff with uh um you know comics screenplays uh i think he did like the he worked on the uh blade uh trilogy and stuff like that uh this one was called the autopsy like you said with uh f murray abraham and uh if you want to tell him what the story was on this one go for it well i mean <laughs> the story it, it's a this was like um, a very like detective noir feel to it. It reminded me of um, the Night Stalker and the Midnight Strangler, um, if you're familiar with any of those. I know uh, we saw both of them together. Um, F. Murray Abraham had like that very like old school like detective uh, vibe to him. Um, the uh, I knew the uh, the other actor too. I I don't know the guy's name but i've seen him in a bunch of stuff uh, he was the glenn, police glenn russell Terman. yeah yeah he was he's uh played they were old friends and he's like the lead investigator into this case yeah and it, in the beginning see it seemed like it was going to be like a vampire story that's what i thought. oh yeah um, they, uh, it starts out with them like you know it shows like the accident that happens in the mine and then he arrives there and then like uh, his cop buddy tells f murray abraham who's the uh coroner or uh the guy who does the autopsy uh, he uh he tells him what the the story of what led up to the incidences and yeah it's like they somebody's gone missing and then uh because uh, he went to look at um, the stars or whatever, and he come back and they find him in a bar, and he's like under a different name, and then that guy goes missing. But bodies are starting to be found that are uh, that are drained of blood. Yeah, and, well, uh, that's well. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, they find a body that's all like, um, kind of like uh, bandaged up in a tree in the woods. They're doing like a search party. Someone has gone missing, and yeah. they find the body, and it's all drained of blood and like hacked up, and they just seemed like it was going to be like a vampire story and i was just like oh well you know hey still it's cool it's f murray abraham like you know what i mean like but after you see in the intro there's a very bizarre like mine cave in where a guy has like a bomb so like i knew there was going to be like something more to it but i didn't i did not see it going this way if anyone has seen the movie the hidden which I hope you have with um God damn it. His Rucker uh, Howard? Kyle McGlintock. No, oh. Rucker Howard. Oh yeah, I'm thinking of uh, um the other anyway. But if you're familiar with the hidden, it's um how there's this like evil alien creature that comes down and it's like a slug looking thing with like tentacles, like kind of like a squid looking alien, and it like crawls up inside of people and it controls them. And yeah. it basically uses them as like it, the host and it does whatever it wants until that body has expired, till they've have worn it, rag it, and then it moves on to a fresh host 
and it just keeps going and just constant mayhem that's what this alien species likes to do and that's what happened in the hidden and that's basically the same premise as this there's an alien that just goes from person to person it likes being human it likes suffering it likes chaos and it murks up on f murray abraham in this morgue while f murray abraham is doing an autopsy and he is um transcribing his notes um in an audio recorder and uh you know then everything just goes fucking nuts yeah well the uh the alien can't survive outside of human because it has no it can't see it has no senses it can't see hear or or smell or anything like that so it has to live inside of a a human body and that was basically the same in earth yeah Yeah. that was basically the same thing as the hidden yeah, it's like the same exact. It was they could not survive in our environment. This alien creature could not survive. Yeah, so it had to host, be in yeah. the host. But so, it, it was obviously an evil. Like this was like a consciously evil alien race. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it, it wanted harm. It liked to inflict suffering. Um, the guy basically, as uh, he is able to um, immobilize F. Murray Abraham, and he's like telling him how he, you know, F. Murray Abraham, by the way, his character has cancer. He only has a few months left. Yeah, and the alien doesn't and, know that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the alien does actually know that. He says, I can, I can smell oh, your cancer. Uh... Like, I think it will taste wonderful. And he's telling F. Murray Abraham, don't worry. I'm going to kill your buddy and all your friends and, you know, I'm going to let you watch it. And, you know, he just kind of carries, I think he takes some of the consciousness of every person that he's ever been in with him and kind of keeps them in some suffering. I wasn't a hundred percent sure on that. I mean, I could do a cast just about this episode, so I don't want to delve in too deep. But, uh, I mean, this was the most highly rated of all the episodes by the users. And um, I just thought it was like a masterpiece. And without like a lot more time to talk about it, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice. So I would just say if you only watch one episode of Cabinet of Curiosities, I recommend watching the entire season. But if you only watch one episode, this would be the one that slightly wins out yeah maybe start with uh the autopsy and then uh go back and do one and two yeah i'd watch it yeah i mean i'm just saying if if you were only going to watch one of the eight this would be the one i would say that you watched It, it it slightly edges out for me um yeah and i mean that's like i said i could do a much deeper dive it ends in a fucking brutal fashion i mean it's just fucking awesome yeah. so if you if you don't watch this you're doing yourself a disservice it was amazing um moving into the final episode of the first half of the series um i just watched this one today because we had talked last night and somehow I don't know if I had missed this episode or if I had been distracted because I watched this whole season with a few other people. And um, I had no memory at all of season four. Um, who was in this? Who did this one? Uh, the outside was a uh, 
This one was directed by uh, Anna Lily Anapur. Uh, she is a uh, Iranian uh, descent. Um, she directed her um, "A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night," which is oh uh, yeah, I heard about that. There was really a good. piece on PBS about her actually about uh, women, yeah, from the Middle East in film. Yeah, yeah, it's the actually, first Iranian yeah. vampire spaghetti western. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and it's based on a. Uh, a web comic by uh, Emily Carroll. Yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah, I recent I just recently heard about her on a piece uh, that PBS did about uh, Iranian uh, women. Um, however, I would say, in my opinion, this was my least favorite episode in the entire uh, in the entire season. I think the uh, last episode probably was my least favorite, but uh, real quick, uh, since we don't have a whole lot of time uh, left for this uh, first half of the uh, series, um, it's basically about this real awkward woman who has a loving husband who's a cop, uh, but she's always feels like um, outside it uh, at work. She works at a bank with all like these beautiful women, and she always feels uh, like she wants to be accepted uh, by them and like them. So like during a Christmas party, she's given like a uh, popular lotion and she has like um, a reaction to it. So she goes home, but like she starts watching, like uh, she sees like an infomercial and the infomercial is talking to her. And it it's even very says, like, uh, Videodrome-esque. Yeah, the the, even though the commercial oh, it itself is. says it causes uh, hallucinations and stuff, but she keeps using it because like she, she doesn't, she doesn't care about the rash. She wants to become beautiful. And then uh, eventually, like, I think everything was basically after that, like, a hallucination for her. Uh, she also does taxidermy because uh, she, she then she, like, uh, kills her husband, even though he's, like, real supportive of her, of her like, you know, at home and, like, doesn't care. Yeah, he was, like, a, he, he was, like, a very, he was a very good guy. He reminds yeah. me of um, the husband from Fargo season one. Um or yeah, he reminds me of the husband from Fargo. Uh, kind of like yes, ma, no, ma. Like he kind of like seemed like he was sort of like Canadian to me. Yeah. And um, yeah, but he was just like a really, really um, all in all like great guy. Loved her, told her, you know, she was beautiful no matter what. Anyway, just like an extremely supportive spouse, like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like the ideal partner that you would want to like spend your life with somebody that was totally devoted to her and loved her. And yeah, she murders him in cold blood. I mean, she goes crazy. Yeah, she goes crazy. Uh, she sees like a beautiful version of herself that comes forms out of the lotion and then she goes into the tub and then she comes out and she cuts her hair, puts on some makeup and a new dress and, and goes to work and everyone and everyone's like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. But I think that's all hallucination. I yeah, think she, I, I, I got the yeah. same. I got the same yeah. impression. I think she went to work and she sees it as everybody saying, oh, you're so beautiful. My God, can we please be your friend? Can yeah. we touch you? Can we smell you? But I think in reality, like she shows up at like her work the next day and she looks like a zombie. Like most of her skin has melted off. And I think those women are basically shrieking in horror. Yeah. And we're just seeing her perception of yeah, it. Yeah, we're just seeing her view. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they I, don't say that explicitly yeah. in the but I mean that we both got the same take from it. So yeah. I think that's what the director was trying to convey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So, well, yeah, it's but, all hinted at in the uh, infomercial where they talk about the side effects and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. the infomercial guy is played by uh, Dan Stevens. Uh, he, yeah, I yeah. knew I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Yeah. But, <laughs> Right. Yeah, he, he yeah, he was great. He was like the, I would say like for me, he was probably my favorite part of this episode. Yeah, yeah I mean I, I I still enjoyed that episode, but of the first four, it is the the weakest one and I think of all of them it is lower on my list because there are some great ones coming up in part 2 which we will be talking about uh soon. Uh so yeah, check us yeah, out. Definitely. But anyway, if you have not yet, uh definitely check out Cabinet of Curiosities. Um it's it, it's been really, really, really great. And um in uh yeah, in our next cast, we're going to be uh discussing the uh second half, which was every bit as good as the uh first half. I would probably say the second half I actually liked uh better even though my favorite episode was in the uh first half of the uh season but anyway that's all we got for now and uh thank you for listening yeah stay tuned for part two see you soon peace